This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about dim sum. Yes. Uh, which is our first, this is our first recording of 2024. Happy yeah, New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, hopefully we are not too rusty. Um, <laughs> this is a very exciting topic uh, for both of us, I believe, um, to start the new year off with. Uh, but we are being pretty broad here. Yeah, um, um, we could go into... Probably at least a short episode on literally any dish within the context of dim sum. Yes. So. (laughs) Yes. And there are, I didn't include a number in our number section because I couldn't find a good source about this. But like there are hundreds if not thousands of dishes that are included under the umbrella of dim sum. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so this is <laughs> an <laughs> overview. Uh, I believe I know the answer, but I must ask, Lauren, was there any reason this was on your mind? Uh, you know, it's just a nice thing to do with family and friends. Uh, I love dim sum, and uh, and I, the holidays are a nice thing to do with family and friends, or can be, depending on your, you know, family and friends. And, uh, <laughs> and um <laughs> And so I was thinking, I was thinking about how how nice how nice dim sum is, and how much I wanted to talk about it. And I, I was feeling ambitious. I was like, you know, maybe at the end of twenty twenty three, beginning of twenty twenty four, I'm gonna tackle some of these big topics that we haven't tackled yet. Let's go. Well, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I also love dim sum. When you sent this. I was planning with my friends a dim sum. Ooh, uh-huh. Because we haven't been 
since the pandemic. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I've missed it horribly. And so have they. Um, and this is the year of the dragon, which is my year. Um, Aw, okay. <laughs> lunar okay. New Year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, the cravings were very in- intense. In oh, they were. Oh, yeah. my heck. Every single photo I was looking at, every single description that I read was painfully cravingful. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, speaking of, a uh, shout out to the listener whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head who sent us those adorable dim sum calendars a few years back. Yes. Yes. Uh, And also we did do an episode on Lunar New Year's food. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've done a couple of things that would fall under this umbrella as well. Brunch, surprisingly. Our old episode on brunch, I know we talked about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are a couple of things you can look into. And I guess this brings us to our question. I guess it does. (laughs) Dim sum. What is it? Well, uh, dim sum is a type of meal where you order a number of small dishes, or it can refer to those dishes themselves, um, uh, of more or less bite-sized foods. And you share them around a table with friends and family and cups of tea. There are a bunch of dishes uh, traditionally attributed to dim sum, and they can cover a pretty wide range of ingredients and flavors and preparation methods, Uh, you know, vegetables, meat, seafood, rice, wheat, savory, sweet, spicy, steamed, baked, fried, roasted, chilled. Uh, You often choose each dish off of uh, carts or trays that are brought around to each table, and there are often a lot of different kinds of dumplings involved. And a number of dipping sauces on the table or or condiments for mixing up your own, you know, vinegar and chili oil and soy sauce, etc. It's traditionally a brunch thing, um, but it is expandable. Like, like the idea here is to have a variety of just lovely little bites and have a nice, relaxed time doing it. It's it's like if a buffet came to you, it's... (laughs) It's sort of beautifully controlled chaos, uh, like like sitting in the middle of a swirling teapot. Um, it's like a, you know, when you get a cup of tea and it it warms your hands, and then and then you take a sip and it, and it warms just your whole being from the inside out. It's it's like a whole meal of that feeling. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> and I I I know I've told this story before, but one of my favorite videos a friend of mine has ever taken of our group doing dim sum is that we were all just laughing and enjoying each other's company (laughs) and like there's all these dishes in front of us and we're all drinking tea and it was just like such a warm lovely enjoying of the time together oh Um, yeah yeah so it's I again your description accurate as always Huh, okay. Um, well, all, all of that, all of that being said, yes, uh, the the exact setup of dim sum will depend on the restaurant. At larger restaurants, you're often seated at like a big round table with a lazy Susan in the middle, and you choose dishes from these roving steel carts or perhaps servers with trays, right? Um, and the dishes could be small plates for fried or baked or roasted foods, or little metal or bamboo steam baskets for steamed dishes. Each dish usually includes like three or more of whatever item, and each piece is often dainty and and, and sort of pretty, um, kind of belying how heavy they really can be. Uh, 
So, so yeah, you, you choose what you want. The server will plunk the dish down and record your choice on a little piece of paper or paper card that you'll bring to the cash register later um, at the end of the meal where they will tally it up and you pay. The Lazy Susan helps make sure that everyone has access to all the dishes around the table. You can usually also place special orders off of menus, either for like larger or fancier dishes or just, you know, whatever you want that you haven't seen come around. There are also smaller restaurants where you do order mostly off of a menu um, or maybe tick off your choices on a little paper card on your table. But either way, it's just, oh, it's such a great way to have a little bit of a lot of different things, which is my personal favorite style of eating. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and yes, as we said, there are a lot of dishes you can run into with dim sum. Uh, way too many to describe here. So if you have a favorite one or one that you want to tell a story about, do write in. But okay, here are a few common like categories and uh, and examples, all right? Perhaps most famously, you've got steamed dumplings made with wheat dough wrappers. And there are a few varieties of wheat dough here. It could be rolled uh, thin and delicate, like in shumai, um, just a real tender skin shaped into a little cup containing things like ground pork and shrimp, seasoned with stuff like mushrooms and sesame. Uh, a slightly thicker but still tender dough might hold uh, ground pork or chicken with a little bit of broth, and those are soup dumplings. And the way that you're supposed to eat these, and I never knew, and I always had so much trouble with them, <laughs> is, you, is you pick them up, you put them in your soup spoon, then you take a little nibble out of the, out of the skin to let the broth release into the spoon, and then you slurp it down. Oh. I don't know if I knew that either. I've just... <sighs> gone for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, just just whole bite, hot broth, scalding mm-hmm. your mouth. And it was pretty good. Awkward times, <laughs> but delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is apparently the the official method. So, so we, now we know. Now we and know. And knowing is half the soup dumpling. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or uh, we're still not done with wheat dough. Um, the, the dough can be uh, puffy and bread-like, as in a char siu bao, um, spicy, saucy, barbecued pork in this, like, tender cloud of steamed bread. So mm, that's a favorite at my table, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are always so good. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of bread. Anyway, um, yeah. uh, it's so good. Okay. All right. Um, you can also get pan-fried dumplings or uh, deep-fried spring rolls or savory fillings baked into a small bun or, like, a flaky triangle of pastry. Yeah. Other dumplings are not made with wheat flour, but with uh, starchy alternatives of various kinds. Take a hargao, which are ground shrimp and maybe some bamboo shoot in this tender, chewy wrapper made of potato starch and tapioca starch usually. Um, It's steamed so that it's semi-translucent, so you can see the pink of the shrimp inside. So good. Mm. Um, (laughs) Or uh, taro root dumplings, which are made of mashed taro root wrapped around uh, some ground pork and shrimp, then deep fried so that the taro gets gets lacy and crunchy on the outside. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> we're both just, like, sighing and shaking our heads. Um, mm. Okay. You don't uh, often get straight-up rice at dim sum. It can come with certain dishes. But uh, but but a different preparation is common, and that is uh, a packet of sticky rice uh, filled with things like, like sausage or mushrooms wrapped in a lotus leaf and then steamed. Or congee, uh, which is a savory rice porridge served with a number of toppings that can that can vary. Rice powder is also often used to make dough, uh, like for oh, uh, chiang fun. 
I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Annie is wincing. Here we go, though. Uh, it's it's those uh, rice noodle rolls, okay? They're, uh, they're these large, thin, flat, slippy rice noodles that are steamed and then rolled up, maybe around like ground meat or some fried wheat dough, and then served in a, in a kind of thin, salty, savory sauce. Oh, so good. Um, or you can use uh, rice to make a, to make turnip cake, which is a type of a rice dough and shredded radish with little bits of usually like chewy mushroom or pork or shrimp. Um, and the, the whole cake is steamed and then pan fried into these like chewy, pillowy, crispy slices. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or uh, glutinous rice dumplings, which are these little football shapes stuffed with pork and shrimp and deep fried until they're crispy on the outside and gooey, chewy on the inside. I'm dying here. Those I'm are dying. one of my those are one of my personal favorites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, then you've got proteins, um, maybe some steamed beef short ribs or braised pork spare ribs, beautiful sliced roast duck, uh, steamed meatballs. Different kinds of offal are also common, like whole chicken feet, um, often deep fried and then braised in something like a fermented black bean sauce, or a honeycomb tripe simmered in like a garlicky gingery broth, or maybe some curry. Uh, vegetables, you ask? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Dim sum does tend to be protein and carb heavy, but there are often vegetable dishes available like um, steamed or sautéed Chinese broccoli or greens or pea shoots, often with like a little bit of garlic and or some oyster sauce on there. And dessert. Uh, There are baked goods like tiny egg custard tarts in these little flaky pastry cups or, um, or buns filled with sweet cream. You can get steamed buns filled with a lotus root paste or this like salty sweet egg custard. Uh, They're usually cold puddings in flavors like coconut or mango. Fried things like little little donut balls. Um, And another one of my personal favorites, I I really like glutinous rice, Um, like a dumpling made of glutinous rice dough filled with sweet red bean paste or maybe black sesame paste or other stuff, Uh, then, then deep fried and coated in sesame seeds. Mm-hmm. That's it's, one of my favorites too. <laughs> yeah. No matter what the filling is, it's always like crispy, chewy, sweet, and savory all at once. And oh, I love them. I love them. It's like a little deep fried peanut butter sandwich. Yes. That is one uh, my friends usually request one to go. Like <laughs> 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 oh, they get an extra order to go. <laughs> um, if you happen to have these in your fridge for a minute and you need to reheat them, I highly recommend an air fryer. Um, just by the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but also don't forget the tea, um, because tea is a really integral part of, especially traditional dim sum. Um, uh, the phrase yum cha technically means drink tea, but it's often synonymous with dim sum. Um, and, uh, as, as you are sharing tea around the table, um, it is perhaps traditional to pour for other people. If you don't do that, that's fine. Do whatever you want. Um, but if your teapot is out of water, and you need more, you can set the lid open or like on the table beside the pot to let your server know that you need a refill. Yes. Good tip. Mm-hmm. Good tip. Mm-hmm. It's also funny because the place I usually go, it is one of the more, I would say, traditional places where they run out of food. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's more of a brunch place. Totally. Um, but I'm too shy to do... <laughs> I was reading about this and they were like, you can run up and say oh, this is the dish I've been waiting for instead of waiting for the cart to come to your table. I'm too shy to do it. But there's several dishes that you were listing. And I was like, yeah, I think we only got those spare ribs once out of all the years oh. we've been going. 
<laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> maybe maybe this year I'll have oh, a little bit more. Courage. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the articles that that I was or you know blog posts or just just interviews that I was reading about all of this were like, be brave, be bold, like go after those carts, like. <laughs> I'm like, what? They look so busy, though. <laughs> yell. Just yell across the restaurant. I don't know. Don't take time to say please or thank you. The professionals yeah. don't. <laughs> and they get the good dishes. It is true. This is one of the reasons. And I actually adore this. But I sometimes I'm like, I, I, I can barely get by in Mandarin but I can do some stuff Mm -hmm. and a lot of friends of mine will ask me to go with them because they're uh like worried they won't be able to communicate or whatever and I'm like you could if you can point to something you're gonna be okay um I'm flattered (laughs) but it means (laughs) I get invited to a lot of dim sum events which is great But I think you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I speak, ab- if, if it's not clear from my pronunciations above, uh, I speak absolutely zero Chinese, Mandarin, or otherwise. And uh, yeah, um, I, I get along just fine. It's if you're hungry yeah. enough and you kind of make, I just make a lot of like football shapes. I don't know. That's, <laughs> I'm just like glutinous rice. Everything, the fried, I want the fried. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's one of the interesting things, and we're going to talk about this a bit more later, but that's one of the interesting, unique things in my experience with dim sum is that you get to see the food and point to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I was in China. That's how I kind of survived at first was like, like, that that one one. (laughs) looks good. Let's try that. (laughs) Um, So, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Well, what about the nutrition? Oh, no. Um, That depends. That depends. Um, Dim sum can be very calorically dense. Uh, lots of fatty meats, lots of fried foods, um, carbs aplenty. You know, uh, treats are nice. Treats are nice. Yes. Dim sum is very nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, heck it is. Uh, oh, my. Uh, well, we have a couple of numbers for you. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Uh, it um <laughs> I kept reading about this one dim sum place that was uh, the first one, I believe, to receive a Michelin star and it kind of um its tagline to this day is like the cheapest Michelin star restaurant in the world. Uh dim sum mm-hmm. can be expensive certainly but very often times it's it's quite reasonably priced. Uh so I looked a little bit further into it and there are currently 14 Michelin selected, 16 Bib Gourmand and one Michelin starred dim sum restaurants around the world. Quite a selection, mm-hmm. I must say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, though uh, there are a lot more than that. Um, as of 2019, there were some 1,300 dim sum restaurants in Hong Kong alone. Yes. And a lot has been written about uh, dim sum in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the centers. Yeah. One of the centers. Well, we have quite the history for you. Uh, we do. But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so yes, the history of drinking tea in China is a long one and uh-huh. is closely intertwined with the story of dim sum. I know we have done episodes based on tea, but I feel like that is a whole that's a whole world. But we have done a, a couple. Yeah, yeah. More shall follow in the future when we're feeling similarly exuberant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like how we're already preparing to be tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, but according to most sources looking into dim sum, it most likely originated thousands of years ago out of tea houses established along China's Silk Road, which was a trade network spanning across parts of southern China, India, and the Middle East. And these tea houses were places where people traveling along the Silk Road could stop, take a break. And enjoy some tea, which many believed helped with digestion. So uh, these tea houses started offering snacks and were what many consider the first examples of dim sum, these snacks. However, quick note, um, some sources are more likely to put the origins of dim sum way closer to where we are now, mm-hmm. like the late 19th century. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think this has to do with how we think of dim sum today versus this early version that's being described here. Um, And more than one source pointed out the history of tea and snacks in China is far older than this. Um, And even when looking at the name dim sum, it's much more recent uh, than the words for tea and snacks in that area, in the written record. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, There is also a bit of argument about where the name came from and what exactly dim sum means. I've seen translations claiming that dim sum literally means something like dot the heart or touch the heart, um, which would be an idiom intending something like hit the spot. Yeah. Um, I've also seen translations claiming that that's poetic nonsense and that it more literally means to eat a little bit of something. Um, So... You know, <laughs> which could hit the spot. Which can also hit the spot. Sure. It's true. <laughs> yes. Um, another big piece of the story of dim sum was the transport and trade of wheat flour, um, which is a key ingredient in dough and a lot of the, the classic dishes we think of, uh, transporting that along the Silk Road. And it was along this route that the ingredient that became key to so many classic dim sum dishes 
really made inroads in China. I did find <laughs> a story in 2016, headlines were circulating about how archaeologists discovered dumplings, one of the most popular dim sum categories, in tombs in northern China that could be traced all the way back to 220 to 589 CE. Wow. Um, Oof. Yeah. They also found some that were more recent, but they were apparently like mostly intact huh. dumplings. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, traditionally, as with many northern hemisphere areas, northern China is wheat growing, southern China is rice growing. So, yeah. Um, yes. So it is interesting how the wheat got into these more southern areas of the uh, of the area. Right. Um well, as demand grew for these tea houses, the stem sum, more and more tea houses started opening, and not just along the Silk Road. The art of dim sum was really hammered out in southern China, at least in terms of how a lot of a lot of us in the West think of it. Um, Cantonese cuisine in the early days of dim sum already included many of the popular dishes served today, like chicken feet and offal. And it became common to have these smallish snacks, often dumplings and cakes, served with tea for breakfast or brunch to give you energy uh, throughout the day. Yeah, uh, Canton, now known as Guangdong Province, I hope I'm not butchering that, um, it, it's, it's along the southeast coast of China where the Pearl River reaches the South China Sea, like just north of Hong Kong. So it's an area with, like, a lot of trade, a lot of travel, and a lot of industry. And some of all of this developed as street food culture. For, for these workers heading in for the day, uh, vendors would carry long poles with dishes balanced on one end and cooking equipment balanced on the other and set up, you know, wherever foot traffic was busy. Uh, this morphed into sturdier portable stalls and carts. And then those carts started being brought indoors for, for a sit-down meal instead of like a grab-and-go kind of thing. Right. Um, and by the 19th century... A whole culture around dim sum had been established in in the area, and a brief search indicates a lot of the most famous dim sum dishes, like hargao, likely were created in this area at the time. Um, I tried to do like a brief, where did this come from? Where did this come from? And I got overwhelmed. But yeah, yes. too much, too much, too much, too many. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Um, as dim sum made its way across China, regional dishes were developed as well. Yeah, and in some areas, like the then-British colony of Hong Kong, uh, dim sum got fancier as restaurants tried to one-up each other, adding, like, chandeliers and statuary and encouraging business meetings and, like, power breakfasts, you know, the, the equivalent of the three-martini lunch kind of thing. And this is where we began to get the new tradition of, like, banquet hall dining rooms for dim sum restaurants, which many of them are these days. Uh, but that's more, like, in the 20th century. I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of us. Right. Um... Well, the 19th century is when historians think that dim sum was introduced to the U.S. with a wave of immigration from southern China and especially from port cities and the surrounding areas. Yeah, a lot of Guangdong province immigrants came over to the American West during the gold rush. And um, as we've talked about before, a lot of people opened up restaurants with traditional and new dishes. One of those um, opened in Chinatown in San Francisco in the 1920s, and it was called the Hong Ah Dim Sum Tea House, and it is believed to be 
the oldest dim sum restaurant in the United States. It is still open, and it's really interesting to read about the history of it. I found a lot of it quite endearing. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is another long-running one in New York City, the Namwa Tea Parlor, which opened in 1920. Uh, Supposedly one of the employees there, one Wally Tang, um, who eventually bought the place from the original owners, innovated the egg roll there as a riff on traditional dim sum sometime after the 1950s. Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the earliest known written reference to dim sum in the U.S. was in an ad for a restaurant that was published in the San Francisco Examiner in 1939. Another article published around the time suggested that non-Asian Americans at large may have believed dim sum referred to one specific dish, and that dish could vary based huh. on personal experience. Hmm. So, like, dim sum could be, like, a spring roll or an egg custard tart, depending on who... Heard the, the word. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, dim sum restaurants gained popularity in New York City during the 50s and 60s, though there's still there still seemed to be a lot of confusion around the name for non-Chinese folks. Um, dim sum grew more and more popular and started spreading across the country in the 70s, and more and more articles were written about it, which further increased the popularity and also clarified for non-Chinese folks what it was. Um Here's a, an article, a headline from 1988 from the Chicago Tribune that made me chuckle. Dim sum has come a long way from esoteric to mass popularity. <laughs> oh. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, also, I didn't know about this, and I would love for people... I was racking my brains to think if I encountered this when I was in Australia, but I would love from Lister, for listeners from Australia to write in about this. Yeah, um, yeah. In the 1940s... Dim Sim, or Dimmies, became popular in Australia. Um, Briefly, these are a type of Chinese dumpling that can come steamed or fried with a variety of fillings. A Chinese-Australian businessman named William Chen Wing Young often gets the credit for making these dumplings what they are today. His daughter was very clear he didn't invent them in an interview. Okay. But he kind of made them the thing that they are in Australia. The story goes that in 1942, Chen observed both older Chinese men who had come from China to Australia for the 1800s gold rush that were now without jobs and the growing popularity of dim sum in Australia, and in particular, shumai. So Chen decided to find a way to mass-produce shumai and then offer the jobless men work selling them out of food trucks. Because... A lot of Australians struggled with the pronunciation of shumai. Uh, he called them dim sim. In the early days, the company called Wing Li had four women making the dumplings, including Chen's wife. But as demand grew, they expanded. And as the story goes, while on his way to make a delivery, one of Chen's sons got distracted talking with a friend who owned this fish and ship shop. <laughs> And they ended up going fishing, uh, but then they came back and fried the dumplings that he was supposed to be delivering, and uh, the friend served them at his restaurant. The next day, the friend called and said everyone was asking where he got them, and demand grew even more, and Chen worked with an engineer to come up with a machine to mass-produce the dim sim. Um, They are a bit bigger than shumai, from what I understand, and the ingredients have changed based on availability over the years, like in World War II when there were meat shortages and stuff. Mm, Sure. Kind of change. Um, 
but they became a popular side dish at fast food establishments and were sold in grocery stores too, like pretty soon after all of this. And from what I can gather, they are still really popular in Australia. Like there are groups based on love of dim sim. All right. Cool. Yeah. Let us know. Please let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, They're bringing us more to the modern day. In recent years, there has been a lot of discussion, some very regionally specific, like around Hong Kong, about the future of dim sum in terms of rising cost, aging workforce and clientele, um, efforts to preserve traditions, techniques and dishes, changing trends, especially like around veganism and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because, yeah, historically, the act of having dim sum is about more than the food or the tea. And during the pandemic, they really took a hit. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I missed it terribly during the pandemic. That was one of the big things. I just yeah. I just was really want because it's comfort food. It's comfort it's food. Like, and it's also a, a comfortingly glamorous environment, you know, and we weren't. Yeah. We certainly weren't going out and doing that then. No. Um, and we were not the only ones that missed it. Uh, many people, I found a lot of articles that wrote about it. And yeah, a lot of dim sum places were hit pretty hard. Um, the racist rhetoric about where COVID-19 came from did not help at all. And many of the restaurants specializing in dim sum changed from a roving cart experience to a more standard like piece of paper menu experience, mm. which some of them were always doing, as you said. Um, which, of course, yes, adapting and surviving is great. Safety measures, yes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, part of the beauty of dim sum is that you get to see and smell the dishes before you order them, like I was saying. And you might get something you weren't anticipating and end up loving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every time a cart comes out, it's like, so exciting, wondering what food is on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it is very communal. As you said, like, it's a it's a meal you share because you want to try a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was thinking about this when I was reading about it uh, and writing this, this outline. I was introduced to dim sum in China, but of course I'd had things like dumplings or buns before. Like, I'd had the foods of it. But that was like the first time I did the experience of dim sum. Yeah. And so when I say dim sum, because I'm, that's how I was introduced to the term. That's what I mean. It's sort of the slow participatory relaxed meal with friends where you choose foods from carts and you share and you drink tea and you enjoy people's company. Um, And I get that according to some articles, at least I'm not using it correctly, but hmm. that's what I that's what I think of when I think of dim sum. That's what I mean. Otherwise, I'll just order dumplings for delivery, which is also great. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Both are good. But the experience, Both are good. yeah. The experience does matter, and it makes it distinctive. Like it's it's one of the rare times for me where I sit and slowly enjoy a meal mm-hmm. and talk to people, as opposed to like, oh, we've got to be to this thing next, or we've oh, got to go do this sure. next. And yeah, just kind of scarfing it down for the sake of getting calories into your body in that moment. Yeah. Right. Which it's still like, you can have great meals that way, but it's oh, yeah. it's the, the experience of like waiting for the carts to come out mm-hmm. and be like, Ooh. you know what? I think we can try this. I know we're all full, but, but <laughs> what about, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See this mm-hmm. one. Let's try this. I've never tried this before. Mm-hmm. 
Um, or, oh, no, that one hasn't been around yet, and I need some of yes. that before we go. Or, <laughs> right, sure. Even if you're, like, sitting in your chair. <laughs> oh, Slowly I becoming shouldn't. a dumpling yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, and there are really good articles out there that you can find, listeners, if you're interested, where people just give really personal takes on on their experience growing up with this with their family or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and I even read one that was like, sometimes it didn't have to be the best food, but it was the most lovely experience because yeah. you were appreciating that time mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No. But it is really delicious. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The siege right. of cravings. Yeah. Need to need to make this happen. All right. Yes. Yes. Well, listeners, this is one where I'm sure. You all have your favorite dishes. You mm-hmm. have you have your thoughts mm-hmm. about it. Please write in and let us know. Oh, oh yes. Uh, we do already have some listener mail for you though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener. Hmm. That's how dim sum makes me feel. Yeah. Got a nice hug. Um, <laughs> Ariel wrote... I was listening to your Pizzelle, Pizzelle, now I'm all confused about the pronunciation, um, <laughs> oh, no. episode, uh-huh. and was delightfully surprised to hear a reference to the Western Pennsylvania cookie table. Mm. I have family from the area, and a cookie table is always necessary, if not required, for a wedding. <laughs> People are more excited about the cookies than the cake, usually because your great Aunt Helen only makes her special cookies for Christmas and weddings. While I can't speak to the history, my dad grew up in rural Pennsylvania and has said that, or he's from, cookie tables were a way to provide more food without spending the money to also have a meal. 
A typical reception was coffee, cake, and cookies. The three C's. <laughs> in our family, when someone gets married, we get together and bake cookies in the weeks before the wedding. It's a great way to be part of the wedding and show off your best cookies. <laughs> part of the fun is showing up and seeing what cookies are there and catching up with friends and family over a good cookie. And the best weddings will have to-go containers <laughs> for you to take the cookies home. Now that's a wedding favor everyone will like. Thanks again for your educational and entertaining episodes. I, I enjoy bringing out tidbits from them at get-togethers, especially at weddings around the cookie table. Oh, oh I love it. I love it. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of this. I love cookies. Yeah. And I... I've really, and I'm enjoying hearing from all of you about this because we've already gotten several messages. And I like, I I personally like the trend I'm seeing where the cake is sort of like. Yeah, yeah, eh. yeah. But then you have, you can have so many different types of cookies or so many different types of cupcakes or yeah. pies even. Um, oh, oh, I love a good pie wedding. I've had a couple yes. friends have like a pie table as their dessert at a wedding and it was delightful yes i have as well and i you know i think the cake has got a lot of like tradition to it it's not bad at all but i think there's something fun about yes i'm a i can take home a like favor box of different types of cookies i yeah. can see what different types of cookies people made um because like i said i used to i would get requests mm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and it was fun to to kind of get the like, ooh, who made this <laughs> Oreo stuffed cookie? I'm like, oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Those were a hit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I bet. I bet. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, good cookies are so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Trying, a... trying to figure out if I can have an excuse to have a cookie table at some kind of function. Oh. I'm sure. <laughs> I think that'd be easy to come up with an excuse. Right. We're trying to plan our next Dungeons and Dragons. We could just bring a bunch of cookies. You know who likes cookies? Super producer Dylan. He would love it. He would um, love it. It's true. See? There you there go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Christine wrote, uh, and this one is fun with pronunciations, so bear with me. I'm sorry. Um, okay. I'm currently tucking into a truly divine pentone. I missed buying one last year, and I remember writing to you about it, and this year I happened to go into a supermarket as the shelf stockers were putting out a fresh load. Normally, I get a particular mass-produced brand, which is quite okay. However, this year, there was a second Panettone available. It was more expensive, and they're in much smaller numbers. The package itself suggested the Panettone was half the size of the other one, but when I picked them both up, the smaller, more expensive one was heavier. Intrigued, I bought one of the smaller, more expensive ones. Oh my, it is so good. It has a wonderful mix of dried fruit instead of just sultanas, and there is so much more fruit. The bread slash cake is very moist, but still very light, and has a delicate spice flavor. Looks like I'll be getting the more expensive panettone for good now. Along with your recent episode on Pizzelle, uh, I can get the electric maker in Australia. There's also been a bit of buzz online about other Italian holiday treats. One in particular was the, oh, shnikes, uh, Torciglione? Torciglione? Sure. Uh, Christine has no idea on the pronunciation either. Uh, yes, this is an Umbrian cake of almond paste and fruit, which is coiled so it resembles a snake. 
it's thought to date back to the Etruscans, so even older than Rome. Uh, there's also the Veronese Pandoro, uh, which is baked in an eight-armed star shape. The mix looks similar to panettone, but has no fruit inside, and the cake itself is dusted in powdered sugar. This brings me to my favorite German Christmas treats, Stolen and Pfeffernus. Uh, stolen is another bread and also contains dried fruit and candied peel and also almonds. The better ones are also flavored with cardamom. The whole thing is then covered in marzipan and is yum. Pfeffernus are ginger aniseed cookies with a fairly firm texture and covered in a white sugar glaze. Pfeffernus have been around in Australia since I was a small child. However, stolen has really only become known since Aldi arrived in Australia. Both have interesting histories if you need ideas for Christmas next year. And this has led me to realize I don't know anything about French, Spanish, or other European Christmas treats. More research projects, I guess, as though I need them. I hope you and your super producers and all your families have wonderful holiday seasons. <laughs> well, thank you as always, Christine, because this is great. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I also do love Stolen. Stolen is great. Um, but I love anything uh, marzipan involved. Um, so, yeah, that's a whole situation. Yes. Um, I am so glad that you, the panettone, uh, turned out well. Um, mm -hmm. And you, a lot of things you wrote about I have never heard of. And I even said to Lauren before this, I've never seen this word in my life. Um, but Perfefernus? <laughs> Etruscan? Yes. I've never heard <laughs> Perfefernus in my life. I've never seen it. Um, that is a new one for me. And I always appreciate that. So... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I that is one that I've definitely both seen and heard aloud. Um, although I'm not totally positive that I understood when I read it on paper that that was how you pronounced it out loud. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I was at a loss. Um, <laughs> so it's maybe the reason I put it for you to read. Yeah. Um, Thanks, yes. Annie. <laughs> yeah, the best co-host. <laughs> but I do love, I love how you, you're like us. You're, you've got a new projects to look into, mm -hmm. uh, to Treats research. to try. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's a great project for mm -hmm. the new year. Mm -hmm. And listeners, if you have any suggestions for Christine, uh, please let us know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, and for us as well. Uh, we do love looking into these these treats uh, for episodes. Always. Thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. Um, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.